Hi, my name is Sean. This is my daddy's podcast. I want my daddy to choose Rey Mysterio number one, but he won't. This is the draft. Welcome to the 8th episode of The Draft. We're taking you back to the squared circle. My name's Adam Smith, and with me as always... Bill Decker. Thanks for joining me again, Bill. Always my pleasure. Well, I'm looking forward to this one. It was your pick, so that means I get first pick. And, for those of you who are following me on Twitter, at ComicFanAdam, you already know my first pick, as does Bill, who doesn't even have to check Twitter. No, I don't. (laughs) This is one of the few drafts where I know I can make my, well, I just couldn't pick one guy for my number one pick, and I could make any other number one pick I I wanted to, and knew that that number one pick was going to be safe. That's right. That's absolutely right. (laughs) So it's going to be interesting to see where you went with this, but to me, there's a strong number one in this, but, you know, that's... That's my uh, personal view on who the greatest of all time is. But just to explain the draft here, we are drafting. We've got two rival wrestling companies and we somehow have, I guess, a time machine of some sort. And we can jump back, grab anybody we want at any point in their career, ideally, certainly their prime and hire them and bring them to our wrestling federation. And we'll have our own Monday night wars between our two companies. So 10 guys and any era, I don't know anything, anything else you wanted to add to that? No, I, I I think that explains it pretty well. And this is singles wrestlers. So if you want a tag team, you got to use two picks on them. (laughs) Right. So, all right. Well, with that, I am ready to make my first blatantly obvious pick. <laughs> are, are you sure? Do, I, we, do we need to take a little time out so you can <laughs> rethink it a little bit? I, I, th- I thought it through for about half a second when you told me what the draft was going to be, and then I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was long enough to make sure I understood what the draft was going to be, and then I'm like, all right, got my first pick. Right. <laughs> so for those of you who it's not obvious to... This number one pick of mine, the guy that I think is the greatest wrestler of all time. He's really charismatic, really good on the microphone, cuts cuts great promos, face or heel. And to me, Bell to Bell is the greatest there has ever been. I am, again, outing myself in regards to this, but I named my son after this guy. He's got a long storied career. He he became well known as a tag team guy to start things off, but then has had one of the most iconic breakups with his tag team partner that there has ever been. And it, it involved a plate glass window. This guy then went on to a singles career, made the Intercontinental title a big deal again. And then from from there went on to fulfill his dream to win the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania. And then, as things went on, he pulled his pants down a lot. But I'll forgive him for that. I'm taking Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Like like, like you said, for me, this was a, a no-brainer for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I knew when I came up with the category <laughs> who was going to be number one on your list. Yes. And, and it had to be, because if you didn't pick him... There's an awfully good chance that I would have. Oh, and should have. But, uh, but, yeah, any any draft of wrestling talent, yep, even from any era, Shawn Michaels has got. Not only does Shawn Michaels have to be on that list, he's got to be 
at or near the top of that list. Absolutely. No question. <laughs> yeah. He could just, he could do it all. He could, he could, he could work technical. He was a high flyer, especially mm-hmm. earlier in his career as a tag team guy, but he, he could work, he could work big guys. Yeah. Oh, you know, he was amazing and, at it. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why he was in the first hell in the cell match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Is because the, the guy, the guy would bounce all over the ring taking bumps. Yeah. From big guys. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> and, but he could work little guys like just, he could, he could play any role you needed him to face heel, the the guy who's who's dominating the match, the guy who's who's getting beaten up and and doing the the comeback, he was he was incredible, just amazing skill set. Yep, and and really once he broke away into a singles career, you found out just how good he was on the mic. Oh yeah, yep. They had him with Sherry for a while, and then when when they didn't have Sherry with him, they they didn't need anybody with him. They just let him go on his own. Yeah, and and I think having him team up with Sherry yeah. was a, a great plan. One, it yes. gave him some instant cred as a as a bad guy. Yep, as if I mean he needed something to help keep him in that role. I mean he played the jerk by you know kicking Marty Jannetty in the face and throwing him through that window, but but he, he still was getting the hang of what he was doing, and right. and putting him with Sherry was was absolutely a great move. But, and it gave him some cover on the mic if he needed it. Very true. Very true. Because because Sherry just, yeah, I mean, she wasn't fantastic on the mic, but she was going to get the point across that, you know, we're, we're bad and we're evil and we're going to do nasty things. <laughs> yeah. and, and, she, and she drew heat. And she, but she was she was great at drawing heat from yep. the crowd. Yep. yep. And the, the crowd knew that they weren't supposed to like her mm-hmm. and, and they were willing to give it to her. That's right. Yeah. But, so and, and that's all the cover he really needed. Yeah, just for that that brief period, and then and then you start putting him with with people that you know whether it's uh, well China is a, is a great example uh, when he was with DX. You know, putting with someone who brings something else to the table because he doesn't need anybody talking for him. Right. Yeah. Once once he like with a lot of guys, once they get over, they tend to stay over. Right. And once Michael's got over, well, the rest is history. <laughs> yes, it is. So, who did you pick knowing full well Shawn Michaels would be off the board? Well, there's so many. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are. Um, I had a couple of 1-1-As. Okay. You know, and, and I knew I wasn't going to get Shawn Michaels. Right. So again, I had to, I had to have the same type of uh, psychology that you did with Shawn Michaels, <laughs> someone who could do it all in the ring, yep. but yet could uh, put seats, who could sell seats uh-huh. by what he did on the mic. Yep. And so, I don't think this is a big surprise to you, because <laughs> me and you uh, fell in love with the wrestling at different eras. Right. And uh, so for me. Uh, it, it had to be this guy because for for me, Shawn Michaels and this guy are one one a. Sure. In in their respective eras. Yep. And uh, you know, I had to go with a guy that could go sixty minutes with Ricky Steamboat, <laughs> night after night. I, I had to go with a guy that could cut promos left and right. That could. The guy that really started getting the catchphrase, yeah, that made the catchphrase popular before The Rock did. Sure, sure. You know, and it, it's plain and simple. You know, diamonds are forever, and so is Ric Flair. <laughs> well, to be the man, you got to beat the man, and Ric Flair is going to top a ton of people's lists. In fact. As you put it, one and one A. Generally, when they talk best workers of all time, people talk Shawn Michaels or Ric Flair, and that's largely the debate, especially if you factor in what they can do on the microphone. Now, 
my opinion of Ric Flair is, has always been skewed by the fact that when I started watching him, he was already crazy. And so even though he could still draw heat or sympathy, depending on which way he was going, he was not in his prime. But I have watched some of his old stuff. And in some ways, watching Ric Flair's old material is like listening to the Beatles. And just to mess with that analogy, or really honestly to to show how well it works for me, I don't really like the Beatles. But it's because when I listen to them, it's like, oh, I've heard all that done better. Well, maybe so, but it was done first by the Beatles. And they broke that ground, and they made it cool. And really, that's who Ric Flair is in wrestling, along with a few other people. He broke ground on cutting charismatic promos. Big, loud, flashy promos. And he broke ground with a certain wrestling style. And so he's he's absolutely iconic. And a phenomenal first pick that... Even I, who was not a big Ric Flair fan, fully respect as a number one pick. <laughs> well, that is the longest list of good things I've ever heard you say about Ric Flair. <laughs> I think the comparison to By the bar. <laughs> I think the comparison to the Beatles works, though. I mean, you watch his old stuff now, and it's like, well, okay. I mean, that's that's good. You know, that was a good match. But if you watched it at the time, it was, oh my goodness, what am I seeing? And the same was true with the Beatles. You know, someone who did not hear the Beatles in their time, it's for, unless, you know, you have one of those curly mustaches or something, you kind of see them as an older style that, that's all right. But hearing them in their era obviously was a big deal. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And seeing Ric Flair in his prime mm-hmm. is, you know, I never got to see him live. Okay. He, he never came up to Grand Rapids, uh, in his, in his prime. Mm. So I never got to see him live, but being able to watch him every week, uh, on, on TBS mm-hmm. and, and even on TV to watch him live, you knew, okay, th- there's a reason why this guy is the leader of the four horsemen. Hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why he's constantly got that belt in his hand. Yep. <laughs> you know, and and especially, I mean, and this is where a lot of times where me and you uh, split mm-hmm. on, on, on some on some is that me realizing that he was NWA champion. Yeah, NWA champion. Yeah. And and that and, and he was that champion in the time of territories. Right, yeah, yep, the territories, and, and and for me that was always that's always been kind of the, the split between the modern wrestlers and most wrestlers from the territories. Is that if you were the NWA champion during the territory days, to me that's a much bigger deal because you had to convince thirty guys that you were the man. Yeah, yeah, you had to convince all those other promoters. That with your work, that you would be worthy of carrying that title. And it's the thing about it is that it wasn't just you were going to be an impressive champion. It was that you were going to certainly draw numbers, but that you were also going to go from territory to territory and make their guy look good. Right. Even though you're going. Yeah, going over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Even though you're going to be their main guy, you were going to make him look great doing it. Yeah, 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 and and that's that's the thing about Shawn Michaels too is both of these guys in their prime in their era made other people look better than they were. Right, right. It's not Shawn Michaels' fault that he didn't wrestle during the territory. Right. He he caught the tail end of it. Yeah, he did because he did start in the AWA. Mm-hmm. But he, it was, but at that point, you know, a lot of the other territories had already disappeared. Right, either either through Turner or Vince, mm-hmm. just making them obsolete with the weekly television programs. Right, right, yeah. You couldn't, you can't compete with syndication. Right. So, but yeah, the the guy that I first 
fell in love with, even though he was supposed to be a heel, mm-hmm. was Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, that leads to my second pick, believe it or not. <laughs> There's a Ric Flair connection. And this guy I liked as a heel, quite a bit as a heel. I think he's one of probably the top two heels that I watched enough to, to get a good a good take on that. So largely that's leaving most of the WCW, NWA just gone. But this guy, this guy was a, a heel in an era where people were becoming smart to wrestling because of the internet. People knew not just who these guys were, they knew who these people were friends with in real life, who these people were dating and, and what arguments they had with management and all that stuff. And, and probably a lot of that was made up garbage, but some of that was, was real or at least widely enough believed that it affected reality. This guy was the perfect heel. If all you did was watch tele- perfect heel for that era, if all you did was watch television, you hated him because he broke the rules and he hit people with foreign objects and he always won anyway. Just just went over people like crazy. It was holding the title all the time as a heel. One of the few guys to leave WrestleMania as a heel heavyweight champion. But if you also paid attention to the behind-the-scenes stuff, man, this guy... This guy's winning probably because he's dating the boss's daughter. Yeah, I'm taking Triple H. Yuck. (laughs) I hate that pick. (laughs) Because I wanted him. (laughs) Triple H. I I always, uh, when Triple H became Triple H, Mm -hmm. I, I really liked the work that he was doing. Yeah. But there was a time where... Michaels was gone. Mm-hmm. The Rock was gone. Yep. And Austin was gone. Mm-hmm. For an extended period of time. Right. And Triple H was the guy. Yes. And he put that company on his back. Yes. And yes, just did. sold pay-per-view after pay-per-view. That was when he broke up DX mm-hmm. and, and went it alone and became the cerebral assassin. Yes. And that was my favorite Triple H ever. Yeah. Because that dude just put on five-star match after five-star match, and it didn't matter who it was with. Absolutely. His promos were strong. Like, they had him working with the big show, and people paid to see it. I mean, nothing against the big show. I, I respect what he does, and I think they don't use him well enough in a lot of ways. There's a couple of directions you could go with that guy, but the, this isn't about that. But <laughs> but the fact that a poorly used Big Show could draw big money with Triple H is a testament to Triple H. He was so fun to watch and so fun to hate. Like I'm drawn to heels, just naturally. And when it's done really well, I just I can't help but get excited about about how how it's done. Whether it's in, in movies or, or wrestling or even how they're portrayed in comics, a good bad guy sets the pace for everything you're doing. And Triple H, I think, certainly in his era, was the best. And I, I rank him as one of the top two. Again, not having seen Ric Flair or Killer Kowalski or <laughs> I don't know, you know, Lord Humongous, whoever it is. But from from what I saw, Triple H is one of the top two. And I I can't decide which one I like better, but the different eras that they are in makes it hard to compare. Right. Yeah. Uh, Triple H, again, it's funny because, you know, you you see Triple H and he he is trained by Killer Kowalski. Right. And and he's uh, definitely uh, has a great deal of respect and admiration for Ric Flair. Mm hmm. But when you really watch him wrestle, mm-hmm. this dude ripped off Harley Race. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. The spine buster, that, that knee drop. Exactly. That, that high knee. Mm-hmm. 
this, and I'm like, okay, you know, because you, you, you never hear him really talk about it. You know, you hear him talk about Ric Flair. And, yep. <laughs> but he says, and about Kowalski, but this yeah. guy ripped off Harley Race. Absolutely. Let, let, let's face it. I mean, Harley Race in, in his time was considered a top guy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, but uh, quickly got overshadowed. I think, at least in my opinion, by Ric Flair when Ric Flair started winning championships. Yeah, d- different, and that's that's what I'm talking about with Flair breaking new ground. Yeah, because Harley Race was not a Ric Flair type of a character. No, not at all. I mean, generally tough guy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, according to everybody in the business, a genuine tough guy. But you know, I've listened to Harley Race promos. Yeah, and and those are not promos that uh, got me excited. Right. Yep. It's just very standard. It was what was being done. Yeah. And Ric Flair exactly. came in and did what wasn't being done. But Triple H took something, a move set from Harley Race, and made it work in an era that you wouldn't think a Harley Race move set would work in. And that, that's yeah. just so impressive. And I, and I think that's what, uh, because I am type more of an old school guy in my sensibilities. Sure, sure. So, so when I see stuff like that, I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm like, yes, <laughs> of, of, you better sell the high knee because right. it is devastating. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen it devastate people for years. <laughs> That's right. Well, as, well, as opposed to the sleeper. Yeah, yeah. It used to be, you know, back when I fell in love with wrestling, the sleeper hold was devastating. Right. It was a submission. It was mm-hmm. a finishing move. Right, right. Now and it's now, oh, Randy it's Orton's just, tired. It's. <laughs> Well, now it's it's a it's a move to let the other guy turn the tables on you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, three elbows and, and a whip. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's a. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I I love that pick because Triple H is great. Yeah. One and, of and for anybody that happens. believes that his place in that company has anything to do with his relationship to Stephanie McMahon doesn't know wrestling (laughs) yeah who who can say what impact that that specifically had versus what he would have what he would have accomplished without that relationship but in my view he could easily be a top guy without that but what i loved about triple h is that the fact that he was with stephanie mcmahon made him hated by marks and so-called smarts right so he was the perfect heel for that era. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'll always fall back to what Jim Ross always says. No matter what, no matter what the situation, yep. cream always rises to the top. Yep. And and Triple H would have made it no matter who he was dating. I really think so, too. So, unless, unless it's very possible that it would have hurt his career had he been dating, say, Linda McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Still better looking than China. <laughs> and he dated her. So. This is true. This is true. All right. Anyways. My yeah. number my number two. Yeah. Ten is gonna be a lot for this one. <laughs> yep, it is. That's all right. Yeah. Who's your number two? Well, again, uh going for the whole package. Lex Luger. And, this is going to be Lex Luger. No, you not, not the total package. Oh, okay. The whole package. <laughs> you know, someone who can who can see, and this is where Lex Luger gets disqualified. Someone who can bring it to the ring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and get over. And, <laughs> and, and someone who's great on the mic. Oh, well, well, he doesn't pass either of those tests. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> can you bounce your pecs? You're in. <laughs> Otherwise... <laughs> But, uh, so I, I think my number two is, is going to be, again, someone who can go face for heel. Okay. Is done both with, uh, equal, uh, was, was great in both roles. Okay. And very organic in how he became both those roles. But, uh, again, if if Ric Flair paved the way for catchphrases, uh-huh. this guy brought it to a whole nother level. 
<laughs> and it's, well, I mean, that right there kind of gives it away. It does. It, you know, it's the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock. The Rock was very high on my list. What a huge draw that guy is. I mean, he his his mic work was among the best ever. And he could he could do it whether it was putting together catchphrases. I mean, he had what 50 of them? <laughs> and and he could Four make more, anything yeah. anything into a catchphrase. I mean, he had people chanting fruity pebbles. Exactly. I, he, he he could do anything on the microphone, but he could also ad lib so well. I mean, you pretty, I assume they just would hand him a microphone in the back and say, you don't like this guy, go make it work because he could do that. And yeah, I, I still talk about his heel turn as one of just the best, smartest moves they ever did, recognizing that he wasn't getting over and letting him unleash that frustration because so often now you don't get over. It's like, well, okay, now you're going to job for six months and then go away. But right. they they were smarter with him and were rewarded for it. I wonder how many other people have been wasted because they didn't try something more with them. Well, and I think a lot of it is what what else did they bring to the table? You can say, well, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. But if you don't come with a solution yourself. Yeah. Yeah. See, Steve Austin is a perfect example of yep. that. Yep. Comes in with a ringmaster. Right. If, if he doesn't come back with Stone Cold, mm-hmm. he's he's done. Right, right. Because <laughs> the ringmaster wasn't going to go anywhere. Right. But, uh, but The Rock, yeah. I mean, he could go good or bad. I mean, literally, you didn't even have to have an opponent for The Rock. Right. You, you could just let him go out and talk for 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then move on with your yeah. <laughs> with your event. And, you know? they, people, and people would, would love be it. satisfied Absolutely. with that because people would pop like nothing else for the mm-hmm. guy. Yep. They would all sing along with The Rock. Exactly. Except for when, you know, except for when he was a bad guy <laughs> or, or if for some reason the crowd made him mad. Then it was, oh, no, 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 no. Yep. <laughs> sing along with The Rock. <laughs> and then they <laughs> did it anyway. Him, but, That's right. <laughs> but... But again, you know, is I, I think The Rock was so good on the mic that sometimes it overshadowed how good he was in the ring. Because mm. he was very good in the ring, too. He was very good. He was, the, I think what he ran into is that his style was more understated than, than his mic work would lead you to expect. He right. had a style that, I would say was comparable to a Steve Austin or a Triple H when the way he talked made you expect a Shawn Michaels. Yeah, and and that is the thing when when I used to watch The Rock because I remember watching his father, mm. Rocky Johnson, tag mm-hmm. team with Tony Atlas. Right. And every once in a while, The Rock would just move a certain way in the ring, and I'm like, holy cow, he he just that's <laughs> his dad. He he would move. And it's not so much the moves that he would do, right. but just how he would move in the ring. Yeah, the mannerisms. Yeah, that all of a sudden you would just, I'm like, that's his dad. Right. <laughs> you know, and I loved that. I loved being able to see his dad in him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, because I, but you had to be able to recall seeing his dad work. Sure, sure. To, to see it, to see how his dad moved around the ring. But, you know, and here's the thing. When guys like Triple H... And Steve Austin, mm-hmm. Count the Rock is one of their favorite guys to work with. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that tells you all you need to know right there. You knew you were drawing money with The Rock. There was no question. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, my third pick is going to be the other guy that I think is possibly the greatest heel of all time. Or at least greatest heel that I ever saw. I'd like to qualify that once again. Right. Completely different era from Triple H. Earlier. This is this is when I was watching wrestling when I really wasn't supposed to be watching wrestling. <laughs> I wasn't wasn't allowed to watch Smurfs or He-Man either, but I made the effort to watch wrestling when I could. And even when uh, even after the fact, I would go back and rent the old tapes 
and now I can watch it on the WWE Network. I sound like Michael Cole, but <laughs> how much is that <laughs> for nine ninety nine? Let me just show you how to download it on the app, <laughs> on the App Store. But <laughs> but anyway, this guy had the perfect gimmick for his era, and from what I understand, it's he was told you want to take this gimmick because Vince would play this gimmick if he could. This guy lived his gimmick. Rode in limos, paid for everything with a $100 bill. I think Ted DiBiase would be, is one of the greatest heels of all time, and I want him in my Fed. Nice. Nicely done. See, now, this is where me and you are in different eras. Uh Uh-huh. When I saw Ted DiBiase, he was... A face, yeah, <laughs> exactly. He, he, he came in as this total baby face, uh-huh. technical wrestler. Second, you know, I think at the time, yeah, he was a second generation guy. Mm-hmm. His his father was a wrestler. Yep, and he was like... he was one of those you know first generation of of guys that was a second generation guy. Yeah, yeah. you know, and and so that was a that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, but yeah, when when he made the the heel turn in the WWE, because because he was the top heel there for a long time, long time, even after his work rate had dropped, and his work rate was amazing. I mean, him against Randy Savage is just one of the one of the best matches of that era. Yeah, like, and that was the bonus of him being such a technical wrestler. Yep, that. That he could, he could put on great matches mm-hmm. as a heel. He didn't, he didn't have to go the the traditional heel route mm-hmm. of of taking shortcuts. Right. Although yeah, he, he, unlike heels nowadays, he would beg off, which right was great about him. And what I miss from that era is, I want the heels to be wimps. Like as soon as they get the advantage, turn into evil monster jerks. But as soon as the face gets the advantage, get scared and, and cower under your mommy's, you know, sundress or whatever, you know, just, yeah, that's yep, I, the way a heel should be. Yep. I totally agree. But yeah, Ted DiBiase is a great pick. It, he, and especially, and this is why he didn't, I mean, he would do it, but he was one of the guys who could get away without taking the other shortcuts. Mm. Because he was so good technically. Yes, absolutely. What what made him a great heel wasn't that he took shortcuts. It was his personality. Yeah, his laugh, his brilliant, yeah, awesome laugh. Exactly. Knowing that, you know, he was going to beat you and then stuff that $100 bill in your mouth. That's right. <laughs> you know, and, and then have that cackle. Mm-hmm. Oh, he just wanted that guy to lose. Yeah, yeah. He just did. <laughs> <laughs> For no other reason than that. Right. You know? That's right. He was the perfect heel for that era. Exactly. And anybody that he started to manage mm-hmm. when he kind of instant instant credibility. Is back. Yeah. You could just decide, you know what? This face is floundering. I want him to be a heel. Eh, DiBiase bought him. Now you're a heel. That's right. Yep. Everybody has a price. <laughs> yeah, everybody has a price. Yep, just put them in darker clothing. Maybe get them to dye their hair darker, and you're evil. I mean, exactly. Everybody from Tatanka to the one, two, three kid. I mean, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to be honest, I really love I'm I'm a huge fan of his of his work and 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 what he's done since since uh, he stopped wrestling. I mean. He's he's fun to listen to and, and shoot interviews and and even you know when he shows up again in the WWE for just little cameos it's always good. Right. <laughs> Number three for you. This is a guy that had the technical ability in the ring to just bring it hmm. day in and day out, and the mic skills to just slay people <laughs> and. And this guy is, uh, you know, is, is, well, he's known now as the biggest draw ever. Mm, yep. And, uh, again, a guy that kind of fits in between the whole baby face heel 
yeah. thing. You know, you, he was one of those first guys that really merged them into one. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's gotta be, if, cause here's the thing. It, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, the, no question. The anti-hero. Right. It, it, and here's the thing for me as far as just some synergy. Yep. In it. I truly believe that the only person that could face Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. was The Rock. Yeah, yeah. To get that response from the crowd. I think you, my you favorite Hogan match. Like, you wouldn't have got that response with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nope, that's true. But I think, you know, going back to that same era, to have that same era matchup. Yep. I think Stone Cold Steve Austin and Ric Flair could get that same kind of synergy going. Yeah, I think so. For for, for different reasons. The, the Rock and Hogan had it because they had the same kind of energy that's right. about them. Yep. Where Flair and Austin would be coming at it from... Two very different ways. Yeah. You know, Rick coming in the limousine, <laughs> riding jet flying, you know, yep. with the flowing robe mm-hmm. and and the sparklers and the music, yep. you know, and, but, but I think they could have that same type of visceral crowd reaction. Yeah, I can see both that. Both in their prime. Yep. And uh, so, so that's one reason. Mm-hmm. Well, the other reason is that Stone Cold Steve Austin, well... You know, he prints money. He was just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, just mention Stone Cold Steve Austin in his prime in your organization, and yeah, just start up the presses. That's right. <laughs> and and put it in your pocket as fast as you can. Yeah, just instantly book bigger venues because you're going to need them. Yeah, Ex- exactly. You know, I mean, buy stock in Budweiser. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> You know, don't show up to the arena with a new car. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It will be filled with cement or run over by a, a monster truck. Exactly. You know, <laughs> take rentals or take a taxi. But, and but, get, get both your audio and visual sensors ready. And and quite frankly, uh, you know, just as far as uh, synergy goes, too. I mean, if I have the rock. Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> yep. I mean, there's a reason why. Why those two headlined three WrestleManias, absolutely. and that's never been done by anybody else. Yep, absolutely. Well, I'm looking at some synergy myself. I wanted a guy who could have amazing matches and didn't necessarily need to do a lot of talking. This guy is a guy who has he's been in some of what I think are the best matches that have ever happened, despite the fact that I'm not a huge fan of this guy. But when it comes to putting together a company, I need a big man and someone who's going to make the other guys that he's in the ring with look amazing. Who's going to, when it's big match time, come out with all guns blazing or I don't know, all gongs blazing, I guess. This guy had, in my opinion, the greatest match. Is Certainly the greatest match I've ever seen. Certainly. I don't want to start big fights with people. But the greatest match I've ever seen was the first time this guy faced off against Shawn Michaels. He's had amazing matches with guys he should not have had amazing matches with. And people who he should have amazing matches with, he had earth-shattering matches with. Triple H, Randy Orton, top-notch stuff. It's got to be The Undertaker. Yeah. Again, another pick I'm not happy with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially in his prime. Mm -hmm. The the Undertaker just brought it. There's a reason why he's a leader in the locker room. Yep. And it wasn't just his size. Mm-hmm. It was he had he had the cred to back it up. Yeah, that that this was how things were done. Mm-hmm. And when you can now, when you can wrestle Ric Flair, and it was not a Ric Flair in his prime, mm-hmm. but when you can call Ric Flair son, <laughs> and Ric Flair takes it, uh huh, that's a whole lot of respect. That's right. That's right. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, the undertaker is just 
uh, incredible. He's an incredible big man. Mm-hmm. But more than that, he, he's an incredible wrestler. Yeah. Period. Yeah, absolutely. My hang-up with him was I, I struggled with the whole zombie gimmick. It just didn't work for me, the slow-moving pace and all of that. Once he started breaking out of that, I started liking him a lot more. I was one of like six people on the planet that actually liked his biker gimmick. <laughs> but it seems like even when he came back from that that biker gimmick, he ditched a lot of the slow moving pace, except for you know when he'd walk to the ring, which right. you know go make a sandwich. But once that bell rang, you wanted to be there because it was going to be memorable, especially if it was at a WrestleMania. Oh, definitely, definitely. Even though there are some WrestleManias, and it wasn't Undertaker's fault. Yep. That some of those matches stunk. Oh, early that on, just, yeah. Just despite what the Undertaker was trying to do. Giant Gonzalez, the big boss man, Sid. That <laughs> that match with the big boss man. Oh yeah. Was it was very early. It was very apparent early on in that match that the big boss man they wanted nothing to do with what the undertaker had planned for him. <laughs> cause I, cause I think the big boss man was a substitution. Uh, I forget who he was supposed to do this match with, but uh-huh. I think the big boss man was a substitution cause okay. someone got hurt. Mm. And it, it, it was very apparent that the big boss man did not want that level of violence <laughs> committed on him. Yeah. And the undertaker did it anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> It could have been New Jack. I mean, it does get worse. Right. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was it was not good. But it was it was only good on, from one half. You can right. tell that The Undertaker was trying to make stuff work. Yep, yep. You know, and the big boss man was just not having any of it. Right. Yeah. But you put him in there against a good worker and... Oh, yeah. Just tell them, go as long as you want. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was just, and it's surprising that this late in his career, yeah, he's had four or five of the best matches of his life. Yeah, and I would put most of those up up in my top twenty five matches that I've ever seen. Oh yeah, I mean that's one guy. I mean, you'd expect that with Shawn Michaels, but you look at the Undertaker walk to the ring or or. You know, even some of the the matches where he was, you know, not putting all into it, he doesn't look like a guy that should be able to put on a match that has you that into it. I mean, I, I that that match with Shawn Michaels that that I really think is the best I've ever seen. Yeah, was, I watched that with you at, at your house, and we were just stunned and then giddy afterwards, just because it was yes, so we amazing. And then we were let down by Triple H, Randy Orton. Yeah, and <laughs> man, I felt bad for anybody having to go after them. They they had booked that that feud so well between Triple H and Randy Orton, and there was no way to pay it off. Yeah, and, and they knew it. <laughs> yep, and, and they knew it. And yeah, it's just. But I, I think, and here's what made the Undertaker so special: he was a big guy. Mm-hmm. That wrestled like a small guy. That's true. You, you look at what he did, you know, walking the top rope, mm-hmm. suicide dives yes. over the top rope. Yep. Even when the, the cameraman guy doesn't catch him like he's supposed to. Right. But, you know, he, I mean, he had his big guy moves too. Yeah, he did. He but took advantage he, of his size. Yeah, but he wrestled like a small guy. Yep. Yep. Which is probably why he is the big guy who is much higher on my list than others. Oh yeah, definitely. Cause, cause he had that ability to do both. And then when he, when he started, uh, bringing in, uh, MMA stuff, right. And his that. repertoire, I loved it. Oh, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Cause he used it right. Exactly. Exactly. Now his, his, triangle choke or whatever that thing is. He doesn't even apply that the same way all the time. That's not my favorite thing. But I I loved the the gloves. Like that was just perfect for him. 
when he when he got the MMA gloves and the way yeah. he would throw punches. You know, he stopped doing those knife hand chops for the most part and went to those those really sharp looking punches. Just yeah, just phenomenal. Exactly. Ah, my number four, huh? Who is your fourth horseman? <laughs> well, ah, oh, man. I'm going to go with a sentimental favorite here. Okay. Uh, just because, again, it, it, he's one of those guys that I grew up watching. Mm-hmm. So right there it tells you the era I'm coming from. Hackenschmidt. Yep. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Um, he was one of the first, uh, heels cause the four horsemen at the time, they were going back and forth between heels and good guys. Sure. It was, it was fairly, uh, fluid with them sometimes. Mm-hmm. This was a guy that came in and there is no doubt he's a heel. And, uh, he came in and this is an era where people were just yelling at the top of their lungs at the mic and this guy came in all smooth <laughs> and quiet and, until you started listening to what he was actually saying and then you got chills because <laughs> the dude was telling you how he was just gonna do bad things <laughs> <laughs> and that there was nothing you could do about it then he'd give you a little lip twitch <laughs> at the end <laughs> and then and then you knew it. And, you know, and he, he was one of those guys that invented a move. Yeah. So at the time he was, yep, accidentally, <laughs> but he invented it. That's right. He, he was smart enough to realize that it, it worked. And quite frankly, it, it's still my favorite version of the move. Sure. I don't think anybody has done it better. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's Jake the Snake Roberts. Absolutely. Yeah. Jake actually credits his opponent because he was, he was still fairly new to the business when, when they did that. He was supposed to get driven back to the ropes, and the guy stepped on his foot. His opponent stepped on his foot. But when his opponent heard the response, even though Jake scrambled back up to his feet, the guy he was wrestling was smart enough to just stay down and be dead weight. And a move was born, and Jake was smart enough to run with it. That guy, yeah. that guy's promos, though. I mean, just amazing. I loved him as a heel. He was another one of those who just... Got it right, and and so stylistically different. Like his his wrestling was was methodical and similar, although a notch above a lot of what the guys were doing at, in his era. But his promos were so unlike anything else. And I mean, everything he's he's always said that when when you yell, everybody just kind of ignores you. But when when you talk quiet, everybody gets quiet and listens. And he was the master of doing that well one of the smartest wrestling guys that that I ever got to see. He knew what he was doing and did it all with purpose every time he got in there, unless he was, you know, on something that was impairing his right. ability to now, do that. I was fortunate enough to see him wrestle in his prime. Yeah. He was one of the guys that would come up uh, to the area. Mm. Uh, and uh, so I got to see him in his prime. And there's this one match I saw. He was taking on uh, Ronnie Hands of Stone Garvin. Okay, yeah. And, and uh, he had busted Garvin open. Mm. You know, and you got to remember the place I'm seeing this is this old hockey rink. And at the time, it was known as the Stadium Arena. Okay. So it was the classic dimly lit, you know, so they just had this huge spotlight from the ceiling, you know, bearing down on them, right? Mm hmm. So you have that type of a feel to this match. And he busts Ronnie Garvin open. And Ronnie's sitting there helpless in the center of the ring. And Jake Roberts goes over to him, puts his mouth against the wound, sucks out a mouthful of blood. Oh, gross. And then spews it into the air. Wow. Now, he didn't spit it into the air. It was just this, he misted it. So now you like now you got to see the you got to see this setting now. It's this dimly lit. So all you see, if you're you know back as far as I was, all you see all of a sudden is this this red plume of mist, oh. and you knew you're like oh, 
Holy cow. Yeah, that's dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and you were like, oh, man. This guy, I hope this guy loses. You yeah. know? But it, but and and then such a visceral the memory yeah. of, of the guy. I can see that. Yeah, that's that's no Gangrel stuff. That's that's actual. That's gross. That's really yeah. gross. But it, it's something you would expect out of Jake to Snake Roberts. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's what made. And like you said, he was very methodical, mm-hmm. but he always had a. He was methodical in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't that he was slow methodical. or plenty. No, it's like, nope, this guy, I've decided that I'm going to attack his calf. Yep. So that's, everything I do is going to put me in a position so that I can work on that calf. Mm-hmm. Or whatever body part he chose mm-hmm. for that match. You know, if it was the shoulder, <laughs> you were going to see arm bar after arm bar <laughs> after arm bar. Mm-hmm. And then, you know. That he was going to DDT you, and <laughs> you know, it's not like he was—it's not like he was working on the arm so that he could submit you with it. He was just no. This is just the body part I'm going to affect. Yeah. Until I get you to the point where I DDT you. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> well, my fifth pick, I think, takes the best DDT in the business. So. There's a connection. <laughs> Never saw him take one from Jake Roberts. This guy was... I, I think you can tell what era I was a fan most in. I certainly enjoy watching it now, but that Monday Night Wars era was it for me. It was it was when I watched wrestling just excited about it all the time. And it wasn't just... The WWE, WWF at the time, and WCW that drew my attention. It was this company out of Philadelphia, of course, ECW. I had a lot of guys that I really liked there. But this guy, even if you didn't really care for his kind of lackadaisical promos, you had to watch his matches because he was going to do something. Each night, that made you wonder if you really saw that just happen. He would flip onto people into the third row. He would clear the entire ring, rope to rope, to kick someone in the face. And, you know, as much as as much as the frog splash works for him, I miss the, the Van Daminator. I gotta take Rob Van Dam. Yeah, I knew you were going to come to him eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even put him on my list. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, I I I see it and and I like what he did. Mm-hmm. But it was a guy that I was like, you know what? I'm I'm not going to fight Adam on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go in a different direction, right? And. Uh, because I, I know how much uh, love you got for this guy and, and for icon. the style that he uses. Yeah, I mean, he was ECW for, for a stretch. I mean, because WCW had pulled a lot of the guys away and WWE pulled the guys away. And yet Van Dam was always there and he was always a draw, even, even when they were just trying to build other talents. I mean, Taz left and Sandman left and Raven left. And, and of course, before that, you're losing guys like uh, Benoit and Malenko and Guerrero and Rey Mysterio and, and just, and, and Juventud Guerrera and just all these, all these guys that, that came through ECW, Steve Austin, but, but Van Damme, when things were hot and people were getting, getting uh, pulled away to other companies offered more money and understandably going Van Dam was always there. And Van Dam, you always knew was going to make that, that show worth watching. Yeah. Van, Van Dam has always uh, been exciting in the ring. Mm-hmm. It, like I said, his promos aren't, aren't that great. Right. They're not. But, uh, in the ring, you know, he was always one of those guys of, okay, just, just tell me who he's going to be against. And let's get to that. Cause he's going to, He's going to tell you the story in the ring. Yeah. He had amazing matches against Sabu 
and against Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> there, there's a there's a stretch for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rob Van Dam is, is going to be exciting on any card he's on. Yep. Because because like it doesn't matter who he's wrestling. Mm-hmm. Rob Van Dam is going to look like Rob Van Dam. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and if he has a great opponent, that's even better. Mm-hmm. But he's going to look like Rob Van Dam no matter what. Absolutely. And, and that's really all that matters. Yep. Yep. That's what you paid to see. <laughs> okay. Number five. This, this is another one where this guy would, really wasn't around for that long when I liked him. Okay. But when I liked him, I liked him a lot. Okay. I liked his look. I liked his style of wrestling. And I liked his promos. But for whatever reason, I think there is some backstage drama. Hmm. I think there are some injuries. But uh, it's John Morrison. Oh, I loved John Morrison. Yeah. Especially when he did the whole uh, Lizard King type Jim Morrison riff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is when he was on Sci-Fi. And it was on a Tuesday night. And he started calling himself the Tuesday Night Delight. Yep. (laughs) And, And... and he was he was teamed up with the Miz at the time too. That was the best. I love when he was with the Miz. Oh, they would just rip on people. Do you remember when uh, they were against uh, Carlito and and was it Eddie at the time? Was it Carlito and, and Primo? I I can't remember. Yeah, I think I think it was Carlito and Primo. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. And yeah, do you remember <laughs> they did a whole promo? just sitting backstage on chairs wearing butt masks, calling themselves the colons. <laughs> I know. <That's... laughs> I loved their work. They would have obnoxious little nicknames for everybody. And and then when the match started, Morrison especially, you wanted to watch. Now, Oh, yeah, he was phenomenal. Just incredible. I loved his stuff. And, you know, that... They, they wanted to talk up that whole parkour style and all of that. And, and you know, you see Kofi Kingston doing amazing things in Royal Rumbles. He didn't uh, he didn't break that ground. John Morrison did. Right. Loved and, uh, that guy. Yeah. Just uh, just the feel that that guy brought to, to the ring mm-hmm. with what he was doing. And then his promos, even when he yeah. was solo. Yep. His promos were... He, he caught lightning in the bottle with that whole Jim Morrison thing because he really wasn't nothing up until then. Right, yeah. But, man, as soon as he started channeling Jim Morrison, mm-hmm. holy cow, that dude just took off for me. Yeah. I became a huge fan of his. Yeah, me too. And I, I wish he was still there, but... Yeah. But he's not, but he's <laughs> a, he'd be in my organization. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a phenomenal pick and one I'm disappointed I didn't think of. Just, I, I loved everything about that character. I loved how he could come out and say an incredibly cheesy line, flash a super cheesy smile. Like, 95% of the roster does what he just did, and it falls flat. But when he did it, it was awesome. Right. Right. Yeah, he just had this ability to make, like I said, cheesy stuff seem cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and get away with it. Yes. As much as I liked his promos, I liked what he did in the ring even more. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm with you. I completely agree. That's a phenomenal pick. Hi, this is Adam talking to you after the fact, a few days later. We decided to break it here because the podcast actually went about two hours long, just the main recording. So that seemed like a lot to release in one episode. Seemed like a lot for people to listen to all in one sitting. So instead, we broke it here halfway through the draft. We're going to release them as separate episodes, 8A and 8B, I think we're going with to keep our numbering correct as far as how many actual drafts we've done so thank you for listening Uh, send us an email at the draft podcast at hotmail.com you can reach us on twitter i'm at comic fan adam bill is at will deck 69 and if you like us it'd be great if you went and gave us a rating on itunes make it so people can find us a little more easily easily well Thanks again, and we will catch you next time with episode 8B with our wrestling picks.
number six through number 10. Thanks.